Amen, 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 amen. How you guys doing this morning? You guys good? And good to see you this morning. You know, we're going to get right, right into the word of God this morning. Did you guys know that today is Pentecost Sunday? It's Pentecost Sunday. Yes. Amen, amen, amen. So I just want to, um, I just want to kind of just give you a little, little history lesson. We'll do a little quick study so that you guys understand what we're, we're celebrating today. This is, again, this is Pentecost Sunday. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read uh, verses 4 through 8. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll make sure you have one. If you don't have one. But Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And um, as we are turning there, let me just kind of give you just a brief rundown. You know, the English, English word for that we use as Pentecost is um, translated from the Greek word Pentecostos. And um, what, it trans what it means literally is 50th day. That's what it means. So Jews celebrate the Pentecost 50 days after the first Passover. And we as Christians observe the, uh, this day because it's seven weeks or 50 days after Easter. So that is, uh, we, we celebrate Pentecost just like the Jewish religion does. Um, but we celebrate it for different reasons, of course. Now, from a historical perspective, Christianity didn't really start with Jesus' birth, his death, or even his resurrection when he ascended into heaven. It started with the day of Pentecost. And that is the day that the Holy Spirit entered a room hiding Jesus' disciples, and he entered into them and empowered them for service and uh, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you know. Now, this holiday was known by the Jews as the Festival of Weeks, or simply uh, weeks, or Shavuot in the Hebrew. Now, this name comes from an expression in Leviticus 23.16, which instructs people to count seven weeks or 50 days from the end of Passover to the beginning of the next holiday. Now, Shavuot was the second great feast in Israel's yearly cycle of holidays. It was originally a harvest festival, but in time, it turned into the day that they commemorated the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. So there's a lot of historical perspective as far as we're concerned with this day. Now this day became especially significant for Christians because seven weeks after the resurrection of Jesus, during the Jewish celebration of Passover, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the first followers, thus empowering them for the mission and gathering them together as a church or as one body. So this day is very significant for us. It really is like the birthday of the church, so to speak. Because on this day, this is when the Holy Spirit was poured out. He empowered the apostles, those 120 that were in the upper room. He empowered them with the, with the Holy Spirit to be able to go out and begin to be his witnesses. And we carry that on today. We are his witnesses. So let's just kind of look into the scriptures just a little bit. Again, we're in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And it says there, and being assembled together with them, this is um, Jesus, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, 
Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. So he empowered them to be witnesses and told them, don't, I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to begin trying to preach or minister or anything like that before you get endued with this power. Now, mind you, these same men, these are the same guys that ran and left Jesus. These the same guys, man. They're all hiding for their lives. They're all, you know, they're all kind of locked behind doors and stuff like that. <laughs> but the minute that the Holy Ghost comes on these guys, I mean, they, they become as bold as a lion. And they go out and they begin to preach and stuff like that. I mean, the, the power of God came upon them and he just, and he just transformed them. You know, one thing, uh, if you look at um, when Saul first got anointed king, the Bible says, he said that the spirit of the Lord is going to come on you and he's going to change you into another man. <laughs> when the Holy Ghost comes on you, he changes you into another person. When you were once timid, you get bold. You know, when you were, once were weak, you get powerful. You know, the Holy Ghost comes on you to empower you for service. Now, I put here, see, before the apostles began ministering in any way, Jesus told them that they should they would need to receive power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the task. As you see from this scripture, Jesus literally commanded the apostles to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He didn't want them to start getting involved in any kind of ministry for him until they received the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, he, of course, knew how vital the Holy Ghost would be to the disciples' lives and ministries. So he made sure that they understood that they needed the presence and his power in order to accomplish their mission. The same thing is true for us today. We need the power of the Holy Spirit not only for ministry, but also to live successful lives as men and women of God. He empowers us for daily battles, trials, and also for ministry purposes. We vitally need the baptism of the Holy Ghost just like the first apostles did. His presence and power are a necessity for us. We need, we need him operating through our lives. Again, not just to perform ministry but to live our daily lives. He begins to empower us when we go through rough trials, when we go through situations, when we're battling with different things, when the enemy is on attack. He begins to empower us to be able to overcome those trials and tribulations that we're going through. See, bottom line is it's just, it's just having more, it's just having more of God on you. You know, we, we need as much God as we can get on us. <laughs> we need to be full of power at all times, at all times. So let's just get to go a little bit deeper, and then I'll, I'll get into some stuff. But uh, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Now let's just kind of see what happens there. So uh, in Acts chapter 2, we'll read there real quick verses 1 through 4. And it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the 50th day, right, which is today. Today is the 50th day from Easter. When, they, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. See, that's so important. You got to be in one accord. Until unity was, was there, the Holy Spirit didn't enter in. 
The Holy Spirit will never come into a place of confusion. He'll never dwell in strife. You're sitting around fighting and stuff like that, you can forget the Holy Spirit being in the presence of you. <laughs> and see, that's why you have to, you know, cut strife off at all costs. That's why you have to get unforgiveness out of your life. Because you start allowing that stuff to happen. The Holy Spirit ain't coming. He's not coming to dwell in that. So they were, they, see, they were, they were in one place. They were in one accord or they were in unify. They were unit, in unity. See, the Bible says that where there is unity, it is there that he's commanded the blessing. So you got to be in unity. You got to be on one accord. You know, you start, you get a, you know, get a choir together and they got strife and they start singing. All they're doing is singing. Ain't no, ain't no Holy Spirit, ain't no anointing being released. It's just a nice song. Ain't no change happening. You know, you can't, you know, God ain't about nice voices. Thank God for the gifts. Thank God for beautiful voices. But if he don't get on that voice, ain't nothing happening. I don't care how nice it sounds. So you got to be in one accord. You got to be in unity. In one place. They were all together in one place. In unity. And it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a, of heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit came up, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. See, this is very important, you know, as I was praying for people earlier to get filled with the Holy Spirit. See, I, you know, I have to begin to instruct you, see, that what happens is they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they had to give it voice. Now the spirit of God give, will give you the language, but you have to give it voice. You have to give God your tongue and then he'll, he'll give you the language. So when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them others. As he began to give them the language, they began to speak. And I just put here real quick that, you know, and this is important. See, regarding the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'll just say this. The evidence of being filled with the Spirit is speaking with other tongues. Now, this is important. Now, the Holy Spirit empowers you to do more than speak in tongues. But the initial evidence that you're baptized with the Holy Spirit is speaking with other tongues. Now, again, he'll, he'll empower you to do more things. And it's not just all about speaking in tongues, but... The initial evidence that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, is that you can speak with other tongues. He gives you a language to communicate directly to him. And that really is the purpose for this other language. It is, I believe personally, a renewed language. Because, you know, Adam wasn't taught a language. He, he, we don't see in the scriptures that he spoke English or... French or anything like that. He was born of God and automatically he, he just began to, he began to speak and he had perfect communication with God. So I personally believe that he was, he was born, he was born, born again, filled with the spirit and able to have this perfect communication with God that was unbroken until of course the tower of Babel. 
that's when God began to separate languages. And that was because they came into agreement for a demonic purpose. So God had to confuse their language or he said, he said himself, he said when, when they started building this tower, he had to come down himself and check it out. And he said, now what they mean to do, he said, nothing will be able to stop them. Nothing will be withheld from them because they were in agreement. They were in unity. So he had to confuse and confound their language. And see, that, see that's the key to any relationship is communication. Once you can't communicate anymore, the, the relationship's over. So they had to begin to disperse. They had to separate themselves from one another because they could no longer communicate. So I believe that this, that this language was, is a restored language. So once you get born again, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he gives you this language to be able to communicate directly to God without any kind of unbroken, any kind of unbroken communication. See, this is not filtered through your natural mind where you can kind of figure out what you want to say. When you begin to speak in the spirit, you are saying the, are speaking the perfect prayer, the, the perfect communication between you and God. Let me just go a little bit deeper. Now, again, the Holy Spirit definitely empowers you, empowers you to do other things, but the initial evidence is speaking in tongues, right? And I just put here, if you haven't had this experience, I, I encourage you to do so. As mentioned earlier, the purpose of the baptism of, is to empower you for service and for daily living. His presence and power makes all the difference in the world, especially when you're locked in battle with the enemy. No question about that. Now, real quick, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, 26, verse, uh, verse 26 and 27. Because I want to give you a couple of other things that the Holy Spirit does. And in Romans 8, 26 to 27, it says, I'm reading in the, it says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. And what that means is it helps our limitation when it comes to prayer. The Holy Spirit himself. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself or himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Or God himself, right? The spirit knows the mind of God. So that when the spirit begins to pray through you, he knows the mind of God. So you don't know the mind of God. I don't know the mind of God. I, you know, we, we, we think we know what God wants, but we don't know the mind of God, but the Holy Spirit does. So when you begin to pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit already knows what the mind of God is. So he's praying back to him what he already knows that God wants. And that's why 100% of your prayers when you pray in the spirit are always answered because you're praying according to the will of God. Now, I, I, you know, I've said this before, but See, I would rather pray 30 minutes in the spirit than, than to spend, spend three, four hours praying in the natural. Why? Because prayer in the natural is prayer that is filtered through the natural mind. And oftentimes when we pray in the natural, we're praying our will rather than God's will. <laughs> we're asking God for the things that we want which may not necessarily be what he wants. 
we're also limited in our understanding. In other words, we can only pray what we know and what we're aware of. On the other hand, when you pray in the spirit, you're praying the, the perfect and exact will of God because God knows everything that's going on in my life and in everybody else's life that's attached to me. And I put here, see, the Holy Spirit through us enables us to pray exactly what needs to be prayed for ourselves and other individuals. Now, see, I may know that you're going through and that you need prayer, but I don't know exactly what you're going through or how best to pray for you. But the thing is, God does. So unless God tells me exactly what's going on in your life, the best way I can pray for you is in the spirit. That's the best way I can pray. When I pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit through me begins to pray the perfect prayer. And again, it is untainted by my thoughts or my feelings concerning the situation, you know. It's not clouded by my judgment. It's a pure prayer. And because of this, it's a prayer that's assured to be answered 100% of the time. So when I begin to, you know, when I begin to lift somebody up, when I begin to pray for somebody, I can go as far as I know. I can pray for as much as I'm aware of or as much as someone tells me, which is not always the whole story. <laughs> you know, people tell me as much as, as it takes to make sure they don't look bad. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost knows exactly what's going on. You can know, you know, I'm going to pray for, you know, what's going on in the White House. But do you don't know what's going on in the White House? All you know is what you listen to on the news. <laughs> Other than that, you have no clue what's really going on. Only what's leaked to the news. <laughs> There's so much stuff going on. <laughs> you know, you, your head would probably spin if you knew what was happening. So, but, but, but I can pray in the spirit because God knows exactly what's happening in that White House. <laughs> he knows what happened in everybody else's house too. <laughs> So when we begin to pray in this language, you know, he, be, he, can, he can begin to filter through. I, I don't have to be, you know, I, wanna, I want this. I want this to happen. But that may not be what God wants to happen. God knows exactly what's right for us. He knows the exact direction we need to go in. And see, that's why we need, we need to start lining up with him instead of trying to make him do what we want him to do. See, God is not a genie. You know, we don't rub a lamp and give him our wishes. You know, we got to get in line with what he wants us to do. So when you begin to pray in the spirit, see, we begin to pray back to God, his, his divine and perfect will. Because the Holy Spirit already knows the mind of God. And he begins to pray. See, he helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us because we're limited. We don't have enough information to pray as we should. We don't know enough. You know, the Bible says concerning, you know, God's ways from our ways, it says as high as the heavens are lifted up above the earth. That's how high, how high his ways are from ours and how high his thoughts are from our thoughts. There's no way we can even uh, come close to understanding what's going on in the mind of God. But that's why we've been given the spirit because he knows he's already vitally connected. And he's our link. I always say he's our, he's our link between heaven and earth. He's our, he's our go-between. Because when Jesus left, he sent the spirit so that we can have perfect communication.
We can have unbroken fellowship with the Father. All right, you guys look like you're not interested in this message. That's all right, Doma. Keep it going. <laughs> but that's number one. You know, number one, you see, the Holy Spirit helps us in our limitations when we pray. Man, I just, sometimes I just don't know what's going on. I just start praying in the Holy Ghost, man. I just start praying in tongues, man. And I tell you, in about 10, 15 minutes, whatever was on me begins to just lift off me. Because I don't know what's going on. I just, I just start praying. I get up first thing in the morning, I just start praying in the Spirit, you know. I wash the dishes, be praying in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I get in my car, put some music on, I start praying in the Spirit, you know. Just drive, just drive and pray in the Holy Ghost. I remember one time I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the car and God said to me, silent faith moves no mountains. <laughs> and I, start, I just start praying in the Holy Ghost. And every time when I'm just sitting there idle, I'm not saying nothing, he says, silent faith moves no mountains. You better start releasing your faith. Your, your faith is released through your words. You got you to speak it. So I just, I just begin to release it while I'm in my car. I just start praying in the Holy Ghost. And, then, and I know that everything's going to work out. So that's number one. He helps us where we're limited in our areas of prayer. Number two, when we pray in the Spirit, it strengthens us, spiritually speaking. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 2 through 4, it says there, For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies, it says, speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. And it goes on to say, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. Now, people try to use this scripture to, you know, um, diminish the importance of praying in the spirit. But, but you have to realize that there's a separation between what God is trying to say. He's saying when you're in the church, you, if I start praying, if I preach in the spirit, you ain't going to understand a word I'm saying. I sit here and you understand, you be looking at me like, what are you talking about? Can't, I, can't, I can't preach a whole message like that. You look at me like I'm crazy. I'm not edifying you. I'm edifying myself. I'm building myself up, but I'm not edifying you. So when I come here, I preach in English so that you can understand what I'm saying, so that you can be edified. Now, when I'm home, I need to, I'm not trying to edify you. I'm trying to edify myself. I need to build myself up. I need to strengthen myself. So when I'm not in your presence, I need to speak in the spirit so that I could build myself up. Now, when I'm here, I'm going to speak in English so that I can edify you. See, this is not a scripture to try to tell you, well, you know, you don't have to talk in tongues because it, it, it don't edify the church. Well, if you're in the church, you're supposed to edify the church. But when you're at home, you edify yourself. You build yourself up. So he that speaks in an unknown tongue, he, he's, he's not speaking to men. But who's he speaking to? He's speaking to God. So when I'm home, I'm not trying to speak to you anyway. I'm trying to speak to God. See, in the spirit, I'm speaking mysteries. 
you know, that only, that only can be deciphered by God. I'm speaking to him. And see, no, no devil can jump in and, untry, and try to confuse what I'm trying to say. Because he don't even understand it. When I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking not unto men. I'm speaking to God. And I'm also, there's a, a, another benefit of it. I'm built myself up. I strengthen myself, spiritually speaking. See, I always say, you know, praying in the spirit is like exercising. See, if reading the word is like eating natural food, praying in the spirit is like working out in the spirit. And you begin to work out and you start getting strong in the spirit. See, that's why it says he edifies it. That means it builds you up. It strengthens you when you pray in the spirit. It begins to build you up. You get, you get muscles in the spirit. So when the enemy tries to rock you, he can't because you're strong in the spirit. So when you pray in unknown tongues, see you pray, you're edifying yourself. Now when you prophesy, now see in this word prophesy, prophecy here is the simple gift of prophecy. This is not a prophecy that has revelation knowledge in it. See, because if you look at the, the couple of chapters before that, it talks about spiritual gifts. And the word of wisdom speaks of, is, is the gift that a prophet must have if he's a prophet. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and then prophecy. Because the word of wisdom speaks of future events and the word of knowledge speaks of current events and past events with revelation knowledge. Prophecy is the voice that it comes through. But the simple gift of prophecy here, it says the purpose of it is to edify, to exhort, and to comfort. That's the simple gift of prophecy. So if I came up to you and I said, my son, God said he's going to work everything out. Be encouraged. Don't fear. He's going to work everything out for your situation. See, I'm, see I'm, I'm, I'm comforting him. If he's going through something, those words can bring him comfort. And I'm not, there's no revelation in that, though. In other words, see, if I was talking revelation, I would say, yeah, God saw you last night when you were doing X, Y, and Z, and he said, stop doing, you know, that, that, see, now I'm reading your mail. That's, a, that's, that's, that's the word of knowledge in operation. Now the word of wisdom, I'm going to say, yeah, and 10 years from now, you're going you gonna to be preaching all, all, all across the nation. See, that's the word of wisdom. See, I'm prophesying to him of his future. But see, the simple gift of prophecy that's spoken here is to exhort and to comfort, to encourage when you're going through something. So oftentimes, I'm prophesying when I'm ministering the word of God. Now I'm not a prophet but I'm operating in the simple gift of prophecy because you can leave this place and say, man, that word, if you can leave this place and say, man, that word was for me, man, it seemed like he was speaking right to me. That's because I was. But then to many other people too. <laughs> That's why I always say you got to listen with both ears because see, one ear you're listening to me, the other ear you're listening to God speak to you. I said this a long time ago, but every part of the message that I preach is not for you. Not every part. It is, but it isn't. Because there's something specifically that God wants to say to you today in this service. 
And everybody will leave here with something different. If you're listening. I talked to different people and they say, yeah, man, when you said, when you said so-and-so, I got blessed, you know. And then somebody else will say, Why you, I got blessed when you said something else. That's because that part, they missed that because it wasn't for them. But they got what they needed. And see, that the simple gift of prophecy. Nobody has to grab you and say, thus saith the Lord, you know, for you to get a prophecy. <laughs> now they could, but it's not necessary in order for you to get a prophecy. Does that make sense? You always got to be listening to the prophetic voice in operation. But see, God, see, see, he says, when you're in church, prophecy edifies the church. When you exhort them and when you comfort them. See, that, that, that helps people in the church. Now, when you talk in tongues, you, you, you build yourself up. You're taking care of your personal needs. And see, before you can edify anybody, you got to edify yourself. How are you going to build somebody up if you ain't? You know, you're, you're, you're laying on the ground in, in, in absolute, you know, exhaustion and depression. And how are you going to get up and start ministering to somebody else? You got to build yourself up first. So when I'm home, I'm going to be praying in the natural. That's what the Bible says. What, what should I do then? I'll pray in the spirit. Right? I'll pray in the unknown tongue and I'll pray in the natural. I'll do both. Why? Because when I pray in the natural, I understand what I'm saying. I need to be able to communicate what I'm feeling to God. I need to be able to speak to God from my heart. I need to do that. But then I'm going to pray in the spirit. Because when I do so, I'm edifying myself, I'm building myself up, I'm strengthening myself, and I'm communicating to God the exact perfect will of God, untainted by my thoughts. So he says, I'll pray in the natural and in the spirit. I'll sing in the natural, and you can sing in the spirit. Now again, when, I, when, I, when I'm here, I'm going to preach the gospel in English so that you can understand me. But at home, it's a different story. Can you say amen? Now, let's put here. See, this is very important for you. See, when you gave your life to Jesus, the only part of you that really received salvation is your spirit, man. Did you understand that? There's three parts to you. You know that, right? You, you are a spirit. You live in a physical body. And you possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. But the real you is spirit. That's why the Bible says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't worship God in the flesh. And you can't worship God in your soul. You got to worship him in spirit. That's the only part of you that's alive to God. And that has a connection with him. You're saved in your spirit when you give your life to Jesus. Your soul is in the process. That's why it says your mind has to be renewed. So as you read the word of God, you begin to start thinking more like God thinks. As you begin to let him transform you. See, you must be transformed because you have a thought process already. When you gave your life to Jesus, you got up from now, you might have been crying. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You went outside, you know, and somebody cut you off, you probably cursed them out. That's because the only part of you that got saved was your spirit. You still had the same, same flesh, 
You didn't look in the mirror and look different. You look exactly like you did before. You know, if your hair was done in a bun, it's still done in a bun. If it was, if you had dread, whatever braids, it still got braids in it. Nothing else changed. You know, when you, your, your thoughts didn't change. Same crazy thoughts you had. Same crazy thoughts you came in here with. Same crazy thoughts you walk out of here with. That part of you has to go through the process of salvation. Now immediately, your spirit is saved. Immediately. If you were to die that moment, you go to heaven. Immediately you're saved there. But the part of you that's not is your soul and your, your flesh. And your flesh will never be redeemed until the day that he gives you a glorified body like Jesus. So that's why you're always at war in your flesh. Because your flesh is still in cahoots with the devil. It still wants to do everything that you ever did. If you, if you used to be into smoking, you still want to smoke. If you was into drinking, you still want to do that. If you was into having sex or whatever, you still want to do that. And now, that's why praying in the spirit is so important because it empowers your spirit man to tell your flesh, no. See, most people are not strong in the spirit. That's why they keep doing things that they used to do. Because whoever is stronger, that's the part of you that's going to win out. Whoever you feed more, you feed your flesh more than you feed your spirit, you'll always go the way of the flesh. Your flesh will say, let's do this. And your spirit is not strong enough to fight it off. And you just wind up doing it. And that's why I see praying in the spirit. When I pray in the spirit, I build myself up. I, I edify myself. I strengthen myself. So when, this, when, the, when my flesh says, I want to go smoke, I say, I'm not doing that. When they say, I want to drink, I say, I'm not doing that. I'm going to have sex with that girl. I'm not doing that. You lay in that bed in the morning and your flesh say, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like worshiping God. See that the voice of your flesh is his feelings. I don't feel like it. But see, your, the voice of your spirit is your conscience. And you start knowing, I got, I, I, I'm not supposed to do that. So I'm staying away from that. Are you guys getting something out of this? All right. Let me just keep on with this. <laughs> so again, you know, once you get saved, like I said, you still look the same, right? You still think the same. Your spirit is just reconnected to God. And your soul has to go through that process of salvation. You find that in Romans chapter 12, by the way. The Bible says that your mind has to be transformed by renewing it. And then I put here, you know, your flesh will begin to try to pull you into the direction of the world while your spirit is trying to pull you in the direction of God. The biggest problem that you'll face is the fact that when you first get saved, your flesh is stronger than your spirit. That's the biggest, that's the biggest problem that you face. Because you, get, you keep still getting pulled the way of the flesh. And that's why you have to immerse yourself into the things of God. That's why you have to fill yourself with the word. That's why you have to pray like crazy. That's why you have to, you know, do things like praying in the Holy Ghost so that you can begin to build yourself up, spiritually speaking, so that you can say no to the, not just the devil, 
See, if it was just the, see, it's not just the devil that you have to contend with. It's, it's, it's somebody said, it's the enemy inner me. <laughs> if you just, it's not just the devil you got to fight. You got to fight your, 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 yourself. That's the only reason why the devil has any chance. Because he plays on the weakest part of you. He, pl he plays on your flesh. And if you're not strong enough to say, he can't make you do anything. He can only, you know, try to influence you to do it. He can only tempt you to do it. But the Bible says that a, man, a person is tempted when he is drawn away after his own lust and enticed. You can't be tempted with it if you're not, if you're not attracted to it. If you don't want to do it, the devil can't tempt you to do it. And somebody once said, I've never been tempted by an ugly woman. And I'm sure you ladies probably never been tempted by an ugly man. If it ain't a temptation, you don't want it. You're tempted by the thing that you, that you, you want. I want that thing. And it, that, can, that can be, you know. And lust doesn't have to be just a sexual thing. It could be money. It could be power. Some people lust after that stuff. Authority, you know. People lust after certain things. Greed. Like I've been talking about on Thursday nights. I've been talking about the spirits that begin to operate through people. And we were talking about, you know, Jezebel was practicing a spirit of witchcraft. And we were talking about Delilah had a spirit of gossip on her. And deception. And we'll be talking about Judas who had a spirit of greed on him. Greed is so, I mean, we'll talk about that this Thursday, but greed is so, the greed that was on Judas was so powerful that he was willing to sell out Jesus. My God, man, for 30 pieces of silver, he was willing to sell out the king of kings. That's how powerful the greed was on him. That's why it says the love of money is the root, for the love, not, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. All evil springs out of that. All right, let me just kind of keep moving here. All right, I'm, I got to finish up. Right, let me just work on this. Now, I put here, you know, the bottom line is the issue, of course, is, you know, when you first get born again, your, your, your spirit is a newborn baby in Christ, but your flesh has been around for a long time. So in order to help you defeat the flesh, you have to strengthen your spirit. And how do you do that? Right? You strengthen him, of course, by coming to church, by reading the word of God, by praying, specifically in the spirit. Because the Bible, again, says that when you pray in tongues, you begin to edify, you build up yourself. You strengthen your spirit, man, by praying in the spirit. Very important. And now, uh, uh, in Jude, verse 20, there's only one chapter, but Jude, verse 20, it says, but ye, beloved, Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And I put here, see, when you're going through rough times, sometimes it's difficult to muster up the faith that's needed for the challenge that you're facing. But if you'll begin to pray in the Spirit, the Holy Ghost will begin to increase your level of faith. He'll begin to strengthen you for the trial that you're facing. And you'll begin to be encouraged as you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Very important, man. So again, you know, 
when God poured his spirit out upon all flesh, see, it was a purpose for it. He wanted to empower you. He knew the battle that you was going to have to face. He knew that you had an enemy that was trying to take you out every moment he gets, trying to trick you, trying to trip you up at every turn. So he said, I'm not, that's why Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to, see, I'm not going to leave you without another comforter. See, so he said, when I was with you, I'm, I'm your comforter. I protected you. I kept you from the enemy. You know, but now, he said, now that I'm leaving this world, I'm going to send another comforter. In other words, one just, just like me. And he's going to be with you. Talking about the Holy Ghost, of course. Who's going to be the, your comforter, your standby, your go-between. He's going to be the one that's going to be, come alongside you to help you out, to lead you, to guide you and direct you. That's why it says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. <laughs> if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he's here to help you, to guide you. He's saying, go this way. Now, I've been talking about the fact that, you know, we were talking about on Thursday night how, talking about the discerning of spirits, how the Holy Ghost can begin to help you see past the smiley face. The person that is saying all the right things, doing all the right things, acting right. The Holy Spirit can help you see through that. And begin to cause you to look behind the mask and see what's really operating in and through people. You know, the reason why most people now have broken hearts is because they trusted the wrong person. They, they listened to their flesh and how they felt in their emotions towards that person and never checked on the inside, never looked into the spirit to, to find out about that person. And as a result, that person with the big smile After a while, they showed their true face. You ever seen, you know, those things where you put that thing like that and they got a big smile on their face, you know? That mask and they do like that, got a big smile. That's what most people do to you. They have a big smile on their face. They remove that smile, it's like. <laughs> they remove that mask, they got... Nasty mean mug. <laughs> if you'd have seen that mean mug, you probably would have never dealt with them. But they all they showed you was a smiley face. That's why, you know, I won't marry people if they, if they just start dating and stuff like that. You got to be together. You got to be together for a little while. You got to be together long enough for them to take the mask off. Because they can't keep it on forever. Eventually, it's going to come off. And once that mask comes off, and you can still deal with that person. You can still say, I love them. Once you see that person, then, then, then we can talk marriage. <laughs> man, get these crazy people, man. I heard a big story about this guy. He, he, you know, he got, they got married real quick, a couple of months, you know. And they get married, and they're going on their honeymoon. And the guy says, okay, that's it. I'm quick, quitting my job, and, you know, I'm laying up on you now, you know. He took off the mask on their honeymoon. <laughs> I'm quitting, you know. 
You make enough money for both of us. I'm just going to lay home, you know. <laughs> Man, you better make sure that you see that person before you say, I do. You need, some, you need some time invested, man. Check them out. Check them out good. You know, but see, but the Holy Spirit can help you see right through all of that. Let's see right through the smiley face, all that stuff. See right through it. You know, you pick up. And see, see God is so faithful because you'll pick it up and you'll be like, something ain't right here. But most of the time, you know, we, we, we allow our desire to override the voice of the Spirit. You know, we want something so bad that we just push right through. all. We just blow right through all of the red lights. Go right through all of the stop signs, you know, that God tries to put up in our life. And then we jump into it anyway. See, that's why we got to learn to be sensitive to the Spirit. See, because you can, you can, through your actions, you can, the Bible says, don't quench the Spirit. You can quench the spirit. In other words, put the fire out. He's talking, but you're just you're pushing him down. Don't quench the spirit. And it says, don't grieve the spirit. See, the spirit, the spirit of God is the part of is, is, is are the feelings of God. It's the emotional part of God. He can be grieved, be quenched. That's why Jesus said, you know, you can get away with anything else. I mean, you can do almost anything else you want to do. But don't, don't be messing with the Holy Ghost. The only unforgivable, unpardonable sin is you, you know, you, you messing with the Holy Ghost. That's it. So that's the part of God you, know, you don't want to mess around with. But, and it's the only part of God that has chosen to be with you. No matter, no matter what you do, see, that's the part of God that when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. No matter what you do, Holy Ghost don't jump up and leave. Now, he's sitting there. He can be grieved as all get out. But he won't jump out of you and leave. <laughs> I remember you, man, I first gave my life to Jesus. I got to get ready to close here, man. <laughs> I remember when I first, I first gave my life to Jesus, I was 16, 17 years old, something like that, in a tent meeting in Newark. I'll never forget it. And the same day, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. But I wasn't ready to serve God yet. So I was still doing my thing, you know. But something was different. See, when the Holy Ghost came on the inside, see, before I would do my thing and I wouldn't have no problem with it. You know, it'd be all right. I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't feel bad about doing it. I was happy. <laughs> the Holy Ghost came on the inside of me. And I started doing crazy stuff, you know. Oh, man, I would be so grieved. I'd be like, what's wrong with me, man? I remember I would be, you know, we got, man. Anyway. <laughs> I'd be laying in the bed with, you know, somebody I ain't supposed to. And I'd be like, man, you know, I just want to get out of here right now. I just want her to go, man. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> Because I was just like, I was grieved. Holy Ghost was grieved, man. I didn't know what it was, but now I know that it was the Holy Ghost. He was grieved on the inside of me. He didn't like what I was doing. And because of that, I just felt disgusted, man. I was like, I, I, I don't feel this. I don't feel good. 
because that's the part of the whole. That's a part of the holy. He he can get grieved. He's he he, he just gets grieved when you do stuff that you ain't supposed to do, and you feel it. I mean, it, and it's strong, you know. It's it's strong, man. Unless you become desensitized. See, if you still if you can still feel the you know the grieving of the Holy Ghost, there's still hope for you. There's still hope for you. The minute that you don't, the Bible says that you can get to a place where your conscience is seared like a hot iron. It burned out of you, man. You just kind of get to a place where you just, you know, you don't even have a conscience anymore. Just do, doing your thing. You get to that point, the Bible says he gives you over to a reprobate mind. It just simply means that you, you're on your own, man. You're done. So anyway, man, I, I, I got to close, man. But the, the bottom line is, you know, on this beautiful day, this beautiful Pentecost day, <laughs> the Holy Spirit came to empower believers. And he's coming, he's pouring his spirit out upon all flesh, even right now to this day. He's pouring his spirit out upon all flesh to empower you to do what you cannot do in and within yourself. That's what he wants to do. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to empower you. He wants to give you what you need, all of the tools that you need in order to make it. Can you say amen? All right, we're going to close here. Just lift your hands to Jesus. We got to close. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for this beautiful Pentecost Sunday, for the people that got filled with the spirit today. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your anointing falling on this place. I thank you for filling your people with your glory, with your anointing, with your spirit, and empowering them, not just for ministry, thank God for ministry, but for their personal life, empowering them to be able to face the challenges of life, strengthening them to do what they cannot do without your power. And we just thank you, Father, for your great love, the great love that caused you to send the Lord Jesus and the great love that the Lord Jesus had for us was that he was willing to die for us, paid the price for sin. He rose from the dead and he said, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm not just going to heaven and forgetting about you. I'm, if I go to heaven, he said, I, I can send the Holy Spirit. So we thank you, Lord, for sending your precious spirit, filling each and every one of us, each and every believer so that we can be empowered for service. And for it, Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We bless you. We worship you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. If you're here this morning before we close and you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that this morning or if you've given your life to Jesus and you're backslidden and you know you are and you just want to get it right with God again, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand up on your feet. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, amen, amen. If anybody else is here, you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, get it back right with God again, if that's you, just stand up on your feet. I want to just pray for you. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. We're not going to embarrass you. 
just going to pray for you. All right. Let's pray with this young man. I want everybody. Everybody, I want you to repeat after me. We're going to pray. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you died for my sins and you raised from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I accept the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Now, come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. Amen. 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 God bless you. It's good. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you, Father. We worship you. We glorify you. Amen. 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 What I will just say to anybody to just stand, you know, do your best to get to the house of God whenever the door is open. You need to be strengthened in the spirit. And the best way to do that, to begin it, is to come to the house of God, to hear the word of God preach, and then develop your own personal prayer life. Spend time with God in prayer and in the word of God. So let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious and merciful and kind to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, grant you his holy peace in Jesus' matchless name. I want everybody to say, I'm blessed and I can't be cursed in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. We have service on Thursday evenings at 730, so you're more than welcome to come, but come and get blessed. We love you. Bless you.